Okay, we are going to be speaking now out of Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 1. So, the, the, the thing about this, uh, what we're doing, because many of you are new here today, is we're going through the chronological life of Jesus. I know we've been at this for more than a year. I don't know how much longer than a year, but we've been at it quite a while. But that's okay. We are in the last five months of Jesus' life. However, that's about half of the Gospels, the last five months of his life. So, so it's three and a half years is, is the length of his ministry. We're in the last five months. So we're continuing on along the chronological life of Jesus. And Luke is a chronological outline of the life of Jesus. And we know that because Luke says it at the beginning of his gospel. The other three gospels, which are called the synoptic gospels, they don't follow a chronology. And, and unabashedly, I mean, they, 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 there, there was no desire to follow a chronological pattern. They were following a thematic pattern. Uh, but Luke follows a chronological pattern. He hasn't recorded everything. There's some that are recorded in the other Gospels. And so that's pieced in as we go along. Today we're learning about, uh, uh, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and it's interesting because this is a very similar portion to what was just shared in the service. But uh, Roger and I didn't coordinate this at all. It just, once in a while it just happens. We're just sharing on the same thing and, and uh, uh by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be confirmed. Uh, okay, so in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It happened while Jesus was praying in a certain place. After he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also have forgiven everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Okay, so Jesus was praying. Jesus prayed a lot. Very often it would say Jesus would go off to a lonely place and pray. But he was with his disciples. And very often he would pray alone. He'd have his own time with his Father in the midst of his disciples. So he'd probably go a a few yards away and just kneel and start to pray. That was his pattern. And so there were times where, where they would see Jesus praying. And here's an instance where Jesus was praying in a certain place. And then when he was finished, his disciples now turn to him and they say, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So he's speaking about John the Baptist had taught his disciples how to pray. By this time, John has already uh, been killed, had been put to death by Herod. And, and uh, um, so, so, but John's disciples had been taught to pray by John. And so now Jesus' disciples are saying to him, teach us to pray. We just saw you praying. Teach us to pray. So think about this. They are over three years into the ministry of Jesus, walking with Jesus, and they're finally saying, teach us how to do this. That's pretty neat. You wonder why Jesus would not have initiated this. Why didn't Jesus, you know, from day one, okay, let me take you through... Some doctrine here. Let me teach you about prayer. I don't know. He didn't. That is not the way he did it. Just come, walk with me. Watch how I do this. And then he'd send them out. Remember, he had sent them out two by two. He had sent them out in groups uh, uh, to go and prepare places for him. But they still didn't really even know how to pray. And finally, they're asking. 
Maybe, maybe that, that, that's something interesting. He brought them to the point where they're now asking, how do you pray? Now, if you think about this, it's also a little bit strange. These are all Jewish men. All of them walking with him are Jewish men. And how come they don't know how to pray? I mean, Jews know how to pray. They knew how to pray then, they know how to pray now, because they have set, wrote prayers. In fact, I I grew up in a Jewish home, I'm, I'm a Messianic Jew, and I know a few prayers in Hebrew. I don't know any Hebrew, but I know a few prayers in Hebrew. And so much so that when I was leaving Israel, the last time I was reading, leaving Israel, you know, they, they always come about six inches from your face and they start questioning you to see, you know, are you legitimate? And, and uh, you know, I said, well, I grew up in a Jewish home. Okay, say your prayers. Say, t- good. By the way, started asking me to do this. And, and because Jewish people know how to say certain prayers. They knew how to do it then. They know how to do it now. So why are they asking teachers to pray? Why didn't Jesus say, wait, you already know your prayers. Go and say it. You got your prayer book? Go use it. He didn't say that. In fact, he says to them something different. What Jesus always did, the only demonstration we have of Jesus. You guys might want to, you, you want to move up a little bit. I, want, I hate to have you leaning around the post there. Okay. So, the only, the only thing that he did is he did extemporaneous prayer. Now, I don't want to raise any offense in anybody about prayer books. You use the prayer book all you want. I'm just saying we don't see a New Testament pattern for that. All right? So I'm not here to offend anybody, but worry if I don't teach you what the New Testament teaches us to do. The only thing we see in the New Testament is extemporaneous prayer in Jesus. That's all he did. He prayed to his Father. He never said any of the the standard prayers of the Jewish people. The same prayers that they pray today, they were praying there in the first century. The same prayers that they were saying in the first century, they'd still been praying for, for 700 years before that, since the return from Babylon. Many of these prayers started coming into practice. He didn't use that. And in fact, if you read in Matthew chapter 6, during the Beatitudes, he says, this is how you should pray. You know, it's interesting. We call it the Lord's Prayer. The Lord said, this is how you should pray. But we call it the Lord's Prayer. And he said, when you pray in Matthew chapter 6, pray in this way. He didn't say, use these words. He said, pray in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here, in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, it says, And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. The words aren't the same as they were in Matthew chapter 6. You think Jesus forgot what he told them in Matthew chapter 6? No. He's giving them an outline. He's not giving them a set prayer. He says, this is the outline, and it's exactly the same outline that he had given years before when he was speaking at the Sermon on the Mount. It's an outline. Here is the outline for how to pray. Now, it is hard to speak on the topic of prayer for me, because I don't pray enough. And I hate to be a hypocrite and stand before you and say, yeah, just like I do, just do like I do. I don't do enough. So it, it, it is with great shamefacedness that I stand here. And be speaking about prayer. Prayer is an important part of my life. I wake up early in the morning to read my Bible and to pray. 
I usually break somewhere in the middle of the day, either go to the chapel or close the door in my office and pray. I do that. And then I pray in the evening before I go to bed. And I'm telling you that I don't pray enough. I don't pray enough. And I feel just a real lack in my life. And the hardest thing for me to do is to really hear God when I'm praying to hear what His responses are. Very often He speaks to me through the Scriptures. But I wrestle with this. You know, just recently an opportunity came to me and and, uh, I had to consider this opportunity. It was a great opportunity. But should I take that opportunity because I'd have to give up many other things? And so I went into a season of fasting and prayer. And I know, I, I mean, young people hate hearing about fasting. Middle-aged people hate hearing about fasting. And old people hate fe- hearing about fasting. Because fasting is hard. If it were easy, we'd do it all the time. I'm not, I'm not here to preach fasting because the Bible never says you have to fast. But Jesus says, when you fast, do this. So He assumes you're going to do it. But I'm, I'm not speaking about that. It's just that when I need to really hear, I want to dedicate some period of days to fasting and prayer where I'm just drinking water and saying, Lord, speak to me. So I was really taking this thing seriously. But I wanted to hear what He was saying. Lord, speak to me. And it's interesting, when you really focus in like this, you know, you, you think, oh, well, it's easy for you to fast. Not. It is very painful. And you, if you knew... You know how well my wife cooks. And I can't come home and eat that meal. I just got to, you know, look at it as I walk by the table and go upstairs. I mean, it's just terrible. And then, you know, the aroma just fills the whole house. But prayer is a serious thing. And he says, this is the pattern you should use. So here's the pattern. And he said to them in verse 2, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. The first thing is, Father, hallowed be your name. So he's not saying, remember, in Matthew chapter 6, he said the words were a little bit different. So he's not teaching us a rote prayer. He's saying, the first thing you do is just start praising God. Lord, you are great. You are in heaven. I am on earth. Lord, everything is in your hand. You can do anything you want. Speak about the greatness of God. Thank you for sending your son into my life. He says, when you pray, this is the pattern that you should use. You say, Father, hallowed be your name. That means you are great. Praise God. You are wonderful. Start with that. It's a good pattern to have. He's saying, they're saying, teach us. They may think, oh, Jesus, you're going to give us a set prayers to pray. Just as we've always learned in our lives, like good Jewish boys. We've learned these prayers. What to say. You know, I once had lunch with an Orthodox Jewish rabbi here in Houston. The guy was probably in his 50s. Orthodox Jewish rabbi. And there were about six Christians and a, and, and a couple of Orthodox Jewish rabbis. One guy in his 50s and one guy in, in his 30s. The, the assistant rabbi was in his 30s. And so we were having this conversation. We had this really nice lunch. And so the Christians opened up in prayer and gave thanks for the food. And at the end, one of the Christians said, would you close in prayer and turn to the Orthodox Jewish rabbi? Just, if you'd go around and pray for each one of us, and the Orthodox Jewish rabbi said, we don't pray like that. The man could not pray extemporaneously. He could not bring himself to do it. He says, we have set prayers. The younger guy, who seemed a little bit more open, he said, I'll do it. And he prayed a very nice little prayer. But what I'm saying is, 
that they thought that Jesus would give them something to pray. This is what you pray, just keep it in your pocket. This is your good luck charm, just pray this. He's saying, no, you're going to learn to pray extemporaneously. And if you've never learned how to pray extemporaneously, I'm saying, learn it. Learn it. Where you open up and you just say, Lord, begin to work in my life. And you start having a prayer life where you pray extemporaneously. It will be easier for you to pray in groups of people. You won't be ashamed. Like, oh, let's pray. What am I going to say? You just talk to the Lord. He says, pray in this. Father, you're great. Then the next thing is, your kingdom come. He doesn't say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because he's not teaching them. He's just going through the same outline he had before. Your kingdom come. In other words, everything according to your will, Lord. It is not about me. You can tell, you can tell early on. You know, once I was in a class and and, and there were some unbelievers there, and I said, everybody just go ahead and and write out a prayer request. I'll pray for you. I'll, I'll, I'll collect those and I'll pray. And it was interesting to see the unbelievers' prayers. One unbeliever wrote, pray, pray that I, I be uh, uh, smart and rich and famous. Now that might seem a little odd to some people, but that's exactly what you should ask when, before you really know and have a relationship with God. Why not? You know, if you're praying and God's answering, like, smart and rich and famous. But when you start coming into the life of Christ, then start things start changing. You start taking a Christ-like focus. Not that I don't want to be smart. It's just that this is not what I'm going to put down on an open prayer request. That it's about you, Lord. It's about your kingdom. So, so um, let's, let's uh, be reminded of this, this other verse that we had read at one point. Look in, uh, in Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, verse... Um, Verse 23, Luke 9.23, just a few pages back, talked about discipleship. Here's how it is that you be a disciple. You want to be a disciple of Jesus, it's different than just being saved. Jesus said in verse, Luke chapter 9.23, and he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after he, me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? It's not about me anymore. That's what he's saying. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? You must deny yourself. Take up your cross means you identify with the sufferings of Christ. And Jesus said, follow me. So when Jesus is teaching us how to pray, in Luke chapter 11, when he, when he starts teaching us how to pray, He is saying to us that, that we start out by praising God, and the first thing is, Lord, your kingdom come. What is it that's of interest to you, Lord? Let's start there. Lord, give me strength and boldness that I could invite one person next week. Because this is for the furtherance of your kingdom. It's not about me, Lord. I know everything has been about me because my parents moved me in here and everything was about me and what were they going to get from me and what room was I going to get and what bed was I going to get. And you know Everything was about me. Not about you anymore. All right? All week is over. All right? Not about you anymore. It's about Jesus and His kingdom. It's about Jesus. Lord, what is important to you? This is where you start. Remember, this is the outline Jesus gave us. This is not my outline. This is His outline. Start by praising God. And then, Lord, what is it about your kingdom that I need to be about? 
Then he says, the next thing is, in verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. So now, now it's my personal need. I've got to eat, Lord. There's nothing wrong with praying about personal needs. He says, but start with the kingdom needs. Start with the kingdom of God. And then get to your own needs. It's a good outline. Doesn't mean that God doesn't answer if you mix this order up. But if you want an outline, this is what Jesus gave them on how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. How, how mundane is that? Give me this day my daily bread. I mean, couldn't you think of something more spiritual sounding? No, this is spiritual need. This is physical need. This is what we got to have. Did you know that up until about 200 years ago, up until about 200 years ago, men worked 75% of their day trying to just gather together the food through getting money or finding it or hunting just to get through that day for them and their family. 75% of their day was food for that day. So this has real meaning. Give us this day our daily bread. Man had to eat. Man had to feed his family. But this is, this is the, how deep Jesus wants to go into our life, to our very sustenance. Jesus cares about your education. He cares about your classes. He cares about your career. He cares about my career. He cares about my research. And I keep the name of, of, of all of my, my students on my smartphone in my, in, who work in my lab. And I pray all the time for their individual projects. And until God says, no, 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 don't do that, I'm going to continue to do it. Because He cares about it. And I'm going to pray for them and their individual projects. And then while I'm praying for the projects, I say, Lord, remember to save their soul. But the project, you know, that, that, you know really, you know, make this thing work. So this is, what he, this is what He has for us. He, he says, give us this day our daily bread. He's interested in the things that interest you. In the things that interest you. I remember when, when, uh, um, when I met Shireen, I mean, just I couldn't get my mind off her. And I was saying, Lord, this can't be right. So, Lord, just get her off my mind. I mean, just every time I go to open my Bible, I'm thinking Shireen. Every time I go to eat, I'm thinking Shireen. Everything. And, and uh, I had hardly ever said two words to her. And I said, but Lord, if it is if of you, increase it. But if it's not, Lord, I don't want to be sidetracked by this. Was he upset with me? No. I mean, we are these complex chemical entities. And he puts, he, he puts very specific chemical compounds in us that give us different feelings. This is true. It really happens. And it happens in different levels at different phases in life. And you are in a phase right now where you know what I'm talking about. You can pray and ask God, Lord, give me your direction on this. If it's not of you, let it go away. But if it is of you, Lord, increase it. He cares that much about it. Then he goes on and he says, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. He says, Lord, you know, some people think you have to start your prayer by asking God for forgiveness. Once you have a clean slate, then you can pray, then He'll hear you. He never gave us that pattern. He says, after you get done praying for yourself, now ask for forgiveness. Isn't that interesting? I would have set it up the other way. But He set it up this way. This way is probably better. Lord, 
forgive me of my sins, just as I forgive everyone who has sinned against me, who is indebted to me. Look at how specific that is. That's very much like he says in Matthew chapter 6. When it comes to forgiveness, I will get exactly what I give out. If I don't forgive people, guess who won't forgive me? It says in Matthew, we, we, we can look over there because he, he even, even talked about it in even more detail in Matthew. If you go to Matthew chapter 6, and he taught them this, this, uh, this outline for prayer. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, it says, And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So in the same way that I forgive others is what I'm asking for in forgiveness. Now in verse 14, For if you forgive others their transgression, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Whoa. That's pretty powerful. Jesus, couldn't you just skip verse 14? (laughs) That's really powerful there. Those are strong words. Now, he doesn't say you're going to lose your salvation. But there will be an unforgiveness of transgressions that will be held over. That will affect our lives. So in the same way that I forgive others, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me, Father, in the same way that I forgive others. I mean, you know, sometimes people do a tiny little offense, and I want to hold on to that. Do that to me. Yeah, I, I forgive you. In the same way that I forgive others, I will be forgiven. Jesus brings out the same thing as he's talking in, 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 uh, in, in Luke chapter 11. He brings out the same sort of thing for us. He says that, that um, the same way I do this, the same way I, I forgive others. Now, many of you have been deeply offended, deeply hurt in life, sexually abused, physically abused, emotionally deeply abused. I'm not talking about like you were wearing a Christian t-shirt and somebody got upset about that and you got offended. Get over that. But there, there, are, there are deep things that can hit a person in life. And you need the grace of God. And I'm not the one asking you to forgive that person who has sexually abused you. Jesus, the one who was on the cross, who looked down from the cross with hands that are nailed and feet that are nailed, and blood pouring out of him, he said, Father, from that position, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He is the one that says to you, forgive them. Now, you may not feel like you're forgiving them, but say, Father, I forgive that man. Father, I forgive that one who so hurt me. Now start to work the forgiveness in my heart. You make the decision... And then ask God to start to work in your heart. This is deeply important. Jesus said, And forgive us our sins, in Luke 11:4. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. If you hold on to that, you are the one who will be burdened throughout your life. Let it go. And my God is able to free you. I have met people 
that are abused, have been abused probably more than most of us in here. And they have been very able over years to work through this and say, Father, I forgive them and move on with their life. You don't have to hold on to it. You don't have to make them your friend. You don't have to make them your best friend. You just have to release that. Let that thing go. And then he says in, in, in the end of verse 4, And lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. This is speaking about a spiritual dimension. And lead us not into temptation. That we need to pray, Lord, keep me from temptation. Keep me from temptation. This is very real. I'll tell you, there are certainly places or situations that I could have been in in my life where I would not have been able to stand. But the Lord has kept me from being in those situations. There are things in my life that would certainly have drawn me into sin, certainly destroyed my marriage, but God has kept me from those situations. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Lord, protect me from that. You know, I tell wives, and, and there are only a few of you in here are married, but many of you one day will be. I tell wives, pray for your husbands. Pray God's protection around them from temptation. Pray for your children, God's protection around them from temptation. Pray for them. My own son was, was, was uh, uh, communicating with us. Uh, did, did just All these students were just drinking at rice. And, and, you know, he didn't want to drink. And he just felt all of this pressure. I said, you stand strong, son. And I texted him Daniel chapter 1, the whole chapter I texted to him. I said, you read this. You read about how Daniel stood. How Daniel stood. Because this will give you strength. You learn to grab hold of the Scriptures, and it will give you strength. And you look at what happened to Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego when they decided not to eat that food that had been sacrificed to idols. What God did in their lives. And then I said, when you wake up in the morning, you read Jeremiah chapter 35. He said, I will. And uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter 35 is a family, the Rechabites, that stood strong. God had, their father had given them a command. The, the sons of, of, uh, of Rechabah had given them a command. And they fulfilled that command throughout the generations. And, and uh, uh, God used them as an example to Israel. He says, these people obey their father. You don't even obey me, he's saying to, to Jerusalem. But these men stood strong in what God had for them. This is a message that God is speaking to us about prayer. And then he goes in and he tells a story in Luke chapter 5. He says, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight, this is in Luke chapter 11 verse 5, and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and he has nothing, I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answered and he says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed, and I cannot come up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him all that he needs. This is not a picture of the kingdom of God. Jesus does not start this by saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. He does in other things, but not like this. Where a man appeals to his friend, he says, lend me three loaves of bread. It's not even give me, he says, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine has come, I have nothing to feed him. The guy says, come on, I'm in bed, go away. Just 
come on, friend, I, 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 need, I need three loaves of bread. And finally, he bugged him so much, the guy came and gave him the... This is not a picture of the kingdom of heaven. This is actually a picture of earth. Because he says, down in verse 9, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Uh, um, so if, if, you, if you look on down in verse 13, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In other words, if even that evil guy does it, how much more will your Heavenly Father give? He's talking about persistence in prayer. Let me give you an example of just a classic example of prayer that, that where, where God really moved. And I've, I've taken this pattern several times in my own life to try to walk in this. Look in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. If you look in Isaiah chapter 36, and let me give you the context here. Isaiah 36, we're going to be reading from verse 1. In Isaiah 36, King Hezekiah is being... Jerusalem is surrounded. The king of, of, of um, Assyria has wiped out everybody. And he comes up to the city of Jerusalem. All the neighboring towns around Jerusalem, king of Assyria has taken them, he's taken them into captivity. There's one town left in Israel, that's Jerusalem. Jerusalem is so hard to get into. You drive into Jerusalem today, you see this mountain that's almost vertical. And you go like, my goodness, how would you ever take that mountain? And then it's this huge wall. You go, I see why it was so hard to take Jerusalem. Really hard to take this city. So Hezekiah is in there, and the king of Assyria wants to take the city. This is the last remaining city. It says in Isaiah chapter 36, verse 1, In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. So everything around Judah he captured. Now he comes marching up into Judah, and... He sends his envoys there, his generals, and his generals come and, and, uh, uh, and, and they, they uh, a, a small, small group of, of uh, high ministers come out from the city to talk. And this general says, look, just give up. We're going to take the city. We've taken everything else. Just give up. There's people on top of the wall hearing this conversation. And these ministers that came out that were sent by King Hezekiah say, say to the general, look, don't speak so loudly. We don't want the people on the wall to hear this. Just speak to us. We'll take the message to the king. And so the, the general says, why should I not speak loudly? Why should I not speak? And then he starts shouting it out. Uh, um, see in verse 11 of Isaiah 36. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and, and Joah said to the field commander, please speak to your servants in Aramaic since we understand it. Do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people of the wall, on, of the wall. On the wall, but the commander replied, "Was it only to your master and you that my master sent me to say these things, and not to the people sitting on the wall who, like you, will have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine?" I mean, they don't read this verse in Hebrew in synagogues without changing those words, because that word excrement is a much more vivid word for the word in Hebrew. And, and that's the word that this general used. Why, why did the Bible use this? Because that's exactly what he said. And he said, we're going to surround this city. We're going to just starve you guys out. And this is what's going to happen. And he's shouting this out. I mean, the guy was shouting it out to the people on the wall. So, so it, it goes on and on. And all these things. And it says in verse 22, And Eliakim, the son of Hikiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, 
the recorder, went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him what the field commander had said. So here they go and they tell the king, here's the message. And they actually brought a copy of the letter from the king of Assyria. And so if you look in Isaiah 37, verse 1, when King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and he went into the temple of the Lord. So Hezekiah goes into the temple of the Lord with this message and he prays. Then if you go on down to Isaiah 37, uh, verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. He took this message from that field commander, which was a message from the king of Assyria, saying, you guys are going to die here. And he went, we're in big trouble. And he took that letter and he spread it out before the Lord. Couldn't the Lord have read it when it was closed up? Didn't the Lord know? He spread it out before the Lord. I have so many times taken grant proposals and I put them before the Lord. I go to the chapel after, just lay out a copy before the Lord, get on my knees and pray. He spread this thing out before the Lord and Hezekiah, listen to Hezekiah's prayer. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. How's that for our Father who art in heaven? He starts by praising God. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see and listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. So, what he's doing is he's now saying, this is not just about me. This is your kingdom too. Your kingdom come. He's ridiculing your people. It is true, Lord, in verse 18, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all the peoples in all their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from His hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that You are Lord, that, that You, Lord, are the only God. So you see what he does. Then he starts praying for his need, but he relates it back to the kingdom. My life, the life of Israel, is your kingdom too. The next verse, verse 21, Isaiah the prophet is sent a message for King Hezekiah. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Why did God send a message to Hezekiah? Just because Hezekiah was the king and he was Jewish? Why? What does it say? What does this text say? Why did he send the message? Because you have prayed. Look at what the text says. Because you prayed, I'm going to answer. Had you not prayed, you might have been in big trouble. But because you prayed, I'm going to answer. And then he goes on and on and on talking about, you know, this is my virgin daughter Israel. And then he pronounces judgment. And if, if, if you go down to the bottom, uh, uh, let me see. Let me just read this one last verse. Um, verse 36. Isaiah 37, verse 36. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they were all, there were dead bodies all over. You want God fighting your battles? Whoa, 185,000? Do you know how much 185,000 is? You look at, you look at a, a college 
football stadium. Might be 90,000. Two of those. That's how many people died. You know what I mean? Just boom. I don't know. A virus? I don't know if you just, you know, microwave blast? I don't know what it was that he used. But 185,000 in one night. He just went out and killed them. The others didn't even know it. They woke up and there's just dead bodies all around them. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew, and he returned to Nineveh. Then it says, and then his sons killed him. I mean, you mess around with God. It was because he prayed. Learn to take your cares, your burdens, even write it out on a piece of paper and put it before the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I'm up against. This is what I'm up against. Lord, help me. Help me. Learn to pray. Learn to pray. This is what he said. His disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them. This is what he taught them. Let's pray. Abba, Father, you are so good and your word is great. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us your word. And Father, I pray for these young people in the name of Jesus that you would get hold of their hearts, that they would learn to be more bold in coming before you in prayer that they would learn to pray, to use this outline that Jesus gave and to learn to praise you, to learn to, to think about your kingdom and the things of interest to you, that they would learn to pray for their daily needs and to realize there is a God in heaven, that they'd learn to even spread out before you their needs and to say, Father, remember me and to pray over those. And Lord, I pray that you would work in their lives to learn to walk in forgiveness and that you would keep them from temptation. Father, watch over these young people, I pray. Work in their lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen.